have the privilege and honour to be able to introduce to you our guest speaker this morning. Um, as Kirby said, um, Pastor Melissa Hyde has been with us this weekend. Um, I've known um, Melissa oh, forever. <laughs> you just said forever. Might be forever. You, I'm a bit older, but <laughs> almost 20 years. And um, probably a little bit sometimes from far, but when we've got together, we've been able to have some really great conversations and so on. And um, I just love watching what's going on in her world. And as she's grown um, from a very, very young pastor uh, in her early 20s um, for, and been pastoring almost 20 years, like 8 and 19 years uh, with her husband, Nick, they actually have a congregation in Belconnen in Canberra. And they uh, do two services, so we've done, we know if she can relate to what we've done. We're actually back to one service now. And then through COVID, they planted another service, <laughs> only 10 or 15 minutes away. A um, little bit different to what we've done with Parkside, but she gets it. She understands it. So she's actually speaking to us this morning, knowing what we're going through, things that have, uh, you know, we've had to experience, she's they're experiencing too. We're actually probably a little bit of a step along <laughs> but uh, that's okay we can learn from each other because there's different things that we've experienced and, and I've just loved being able to have this time with her Mel has stayed in our house and we've been able to share lots of different things Melissa is a great person in asking questions <laughs> so I feel like I've talked probably more than she has because <laughs> she's asked questions and and just really great questions too but she is going to um, bring a word this morning that's going to impact you. I have no doubt about that. If you are open um, to hearing what she has to say, there's going to be gems that you take home. Challenges it might be. It might be a bit difficult even. Um, but that's okay because God's got it and he's taking us all on a journey. Um, and she's going to help us to go on that journey today. So why don't you... Oh, actually, I didn't say. She's Sorry, she's um, a... Obviously, a wife because she she has three beautiful children too, and um, she's a nurse by trade, and uh, but she's pastoring. She's also involved in our, um, the national uh, team in terms of our safe churches and so on. So you get get to talk to her afterwards. But I left that bit to Bruce to talk with her, <laughs> and uh, they they had a good robust discussion. I said you can't talk to her before women's is finished because her head's in women's and I don't want her head to be in safe church. I want her head to be in women's. So I said, you can't talk to her about anything before then. So last night, well, boy, they had their conversation. <laughs> but it was great. Anyway, let's welcome Melissa as she comes to share with us today. Thank you so much. What a lovely introduction. Um, yes, Bruce uh, barred me up by cooking his favourite lamb. And we sat down and he said, women's is over, Mel. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> Grab your seats. It's so wonderful to be here. We had an awesome conversation. I, I know you know this, so I'm not going to, you know, try and convince you. You have some of the most amazing senior pastors I have ever seen. And I, I don't say that to everyone. Bruce and Julie Williams, we have watched over 20 years. And, um, you know, they're the kind of pastors that I would say to people, uh, I kind of want to be like them when I grow up. And I'm still saying that 20 years later, you know. And I think you guys are blessed. You are so, so blessed. And I know every visman would probably, or visiting ministry would probably say that about Bruce and Julie. But I have walked into this church and I truly felt like it's home. It feels so welcoming and so warm. 
And, um, and you know what? If you're a guest here today, I reckon you can probably feel that already. You just walk in and you're like, I don't, may not understand it all. I may not have ever been to church before, but I know that this is a good place to be. And so I just want to take a moment to honour Pastor Bruce and Julie. And I would love you guys to give them a gigantic applause for who they are. to honour. I love that. And and I think Bruce and Julie have got pastors all over the country, all over Germany, that um, would attribute a lot of what they've done in their churches, the people they've impacted to the to the incredible um, influence and mentorship of Bruce and Julie Williams. So even over Lamb and Safe Church Chats. <laughs> Thank you so much, team. I will get right into it. I'd love to take a moment at the end uh, to have a bit of a moment of response. For those of you I haven't met, um, I know I've met a lot of you over the weekend. I just want to take a moment to introduce myself. There's going to be a little photo of my family, if it's possible, thrown up in a sec because, you know, we like to show off, don't we, parents, right? Anyone else parenting teenagers? Yeah, we'll, we'll hang later, right? <laughs> what a season. We've, um, we've been pastoring for 20-odd years, and so when we came into the pastoring gig, we had no children, and we're very, very young. Nick was 12. No, I'm joking. <laughs> he looked 12. I don't know why people came to our church, but they did. And, um, and over, the, over the years, we've ended up with these beautiful, three beautiful children, all with their own stories, their own challenges, but they are absolute legend. So we have 15-year-old Isaiah there who's um, going to be chatted up. I'm going to talk a little bit about him uh, today. We have little Samuel on the left who's uh, our little soccer player. He just made the Premier League team. Who knows sports is like, whoa, right? Yeah, yeah we've, um, we're, we're, we're navigating that. Um, and then beautiful little Adeline is my little gift from heaven. She's nine years old. And... Um, Funny little story about Adeline. Um, we, <laughs> I, I was due to have my hair done last week, so I, I turned up to the hairdresser and I was blonde less than a week ago. And um, I said to the hairdresser, I don't want a big change. And, um, <laughs> and I came out looking... <laughs> like this, and um, I walk into the house and everyone's a bit sort of like, whoa, and I, I have had dark hair, you can see up there before, so I guess it wasn't as big a surprise, but I'd been blonde for probably about six months, and, and Adeline just looks at me, she's like, like this, and I'm like, oh, you don't like it, honey, and she's like, nah, anyway, then she realises, <laughs> she realises she's probably upset her mother, so she runs off, and I see her come running back in, and she goes, mummy, mummy, it's okay, because your friends love you, and they just won't tell you that it's not very good, <laughs> nine-year-old, oh my, and that describes my gorgeous daughter, who turns nine on Tuesday, actually, so, <laughs> I, um, yeah, I was like, dude, Dude, Nick just left the room. He's just like, I'm gone. I'm just totally gone. Oh, dear. So my hair is settled. I'm doing all right. Um, <laughs> now, I know you guys have been talking a lot about reset. Is that right? You guys have been focusing on that. And um, when Pastor Bruce kind of mentioned that to me, my, my immediate uh, heart for your church and for, for you guys was to preach on something that God really... Um, probably hit me hard with over probably the last uh, five to ten years, and that is the area of prayer. 
And prayer is one of those things that, you know, most of the time when someone says they're going to preach on prayer, there's a little bit of a breath in and we all start to kind of, you know, look at our, our clocks and think, how many minutes have I prayed today or yesterday or when was the last time I prayed or should I be praying an hour? And there's a lot of kind of, you know, I guess guilt and whatnot associated with prayer. And what I've found is God's taken me on this beautiful journey and I just, if it's okay, want to share a little bit of what he's shown me. One of the first things we need to acknowledge is that prayer is first and foremost a journey. It's not a destination. So where you are at now, whether you pray a minute a day or whether you're, you know, five hours a day is actually okay. It's a journey. And so it's a starting place for you. The Bible tells us over and over again that we're to kind of stop and take a moment and actually reflect on our lives. And I spoke about that on Friday night. And so I guess today, if, if anything... What I'm really praying for you guys is that this might be a moment where you just take a moment to reflect, to actually go, where am I at on this journey of prayer? And wherever you're at, it's okay, right? Okay, don't feel guilty, new mum, it's okay, right? <laughs> Anyone did prayer whilst having babies? Not easy, right? So it's, it's actually okay where you're at, but I think what God calls us to do is to continually reflect and take time to dig a little deep and make sure that we're doing the journey, that we haven't kind of just stopped in one place. A couple of things I've learned, and these are quotes that I've uh, kind of read in different books. Uh, I got right into reading uh, about prayer from guys from like the 1800s, and I spent a good year just reading all these books, and some of this you might have heard before. So prayer is not a destination, it's a journey. Answered prayer is not your reward for getting it right. Whoa. Prayer is always the right response. No prayer is wasted. You are definitely too busy not to pray. Prayer is your response to Jesus. You are not failing at prayer. Guilt is not Christ-like. Conviction is. I want you to take a second to actually imagine a church without prayer. And then moving on from there, take a moment to imagine the word without prayer. And even further, take a moment to imagine your life without prayer, your marriage, your children without prayer. You see, I think sometimes prayer gets turned into this chore. It gets turned into something we should and uh you know, should always do when we, we feel like we're failing at it. And sometimes I think we sort of forget the great gift that prayer is to us. That a holy and perfect God, a God that really could have said, oh, you're on your own, actually instead spoke and said, I want to commune with you people to this day. I want a relationship with you. I don't just want robots. I don't just want little servants running around the earth. I actually want relationship. And the core to that relationship is actually prayer. It's actually talking to God. It's actually communicating with God. And, you know, I think before I go any further, I think it's really important 
that we take a moment to put aside all the guilt, put aside all the expectations, and just focus on the great gift from God. You see, it says in the Bible that God spoke us into existence, and we get to pray because God spoke. We get to speak to God because he first spoke over us. And I love that whole concept. So hang on a little bit. It might get a little bit challenging at times. But if you can keep your heart in that place, that I'm on a journey, that wherever I'm at's okay, but I'm going to take a moment to reflect and see if I can actually, or I'm being called and I'm being told by God to take a step in a different direction with my prayer life, to perhaps get a little deeper, to perhaps pray a little bit more, or to perhaps change the way I view prayer. Great guy to learn from, I think, about prayer in the Bible is David. And he lived a life that was pretty crazy, right? And so one day I was sitting in, um, in my prayer place and um, I was reading Psalm 32. And that's kind of where we're going to hang out for a little bit. And I'm imagining David probably sitting in a cave somewhere, pretty isolated at this point in time, reflecting actually on his life. In this psalm, he was most likely thinking about the sins that he had committed, the things that he had done wrong, and he was sitting in the cave reflecting on those things. And so Psalm 32, we're going to start in verse 3, and we're just going to hang for the first two verses, and then we'll come back. It says, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Pause. You see, David in this moment was taking a time to reflect. He actually was identifying that in his life there had been a period, probably after he had uh, sinned with Bathsheba, actually a period of time where he was um, separated from God. And this period of time in his reflection was a time that really like broke him actually. It was a time that was great, there was great suffering, great pain on the inside of him and he's acknowledged that when he held back, it only got worse. That when he withdrew, it only got worse. You see, I think often our first temptation when it comes to prayer, when it comes to challenge, and I'm not sure why we do that, someone can tell me later, that we immediately just withdraw, right? I'm having a rough time. So my immediate reaction, and I'm telling you, pastors do this too, uh, is not to go to church, right? We just have to be here or people notice, right? So, you know, it, there's, these, there's these times in our lives and it will always end in this moment of isolation. I withdraw myself from what is healthy, what is good, what is solid in my life. There will always be a good reason for us not to pray. There will always be a good reason for us not to turn up to church. There will always be a good reason for us not to tell someone else our struggles. There will. And so you and I have to acknowledge that fight, that that battle that we need to overcome, just like David did. He said that when I kept silent, his very bones wasted away. 
His body reacted. His soul reacted. That's why when you see people who withdraw and become more and more isolated, their life kind of just falls in a heap. Because we must always maintain this willingness to lean in, this willingness to come to God despite where we are at, despite what we are thinking, despite what's going on in front of us. And I think David here really understood that. My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Night and day your hand was... Imagine living like that for a sec. Maybe you have. I I have occasionally. Where it's just so heavy because I'm disobedient. Because I'm not doing what I need to do to get close to God. Because I'm not part of the community of God. Because it's, it's so important that we take a moment to go actually... We have to always lean in. You see, prayer itself is based on intimacy. And intimacy must come through vulnerability. It's a really buzzword and annoys me because I like the word vulnerability, right? It's, there's books on it. There's people. It's a little bit like authenticity. It's like we're authentic and we're vulnerable. But vulnerability <laughs> is actually just being real before God. It's actually taking a moment, like David did, to say, here's where I am at. And so I think prayer begins with reflection, but then it must actually lead into a place of vulnerability. That God, this is where I'm at, I'm all yours, and I need you. I feel this, I'm struggling with that. It's it's really interesting because when we pray, I don't know about you, but pray is often the antidote to the heaviness of life. It's the thing that brings us out of the, the depths of despair or the darkness or the frustration or the busyness and it, and it actually pulls us back to Jesus. David was, picture, was, was painting a picture of his life that he withdrew, but in this very moment, in this verse, he's actually saying, I don't want to do that, so I'm writing it down. I'm actually writing down what I feel. I believe prayer, your prayer life, can change if you start writing, if you start pouring out your heart on paper. Whether you love to write or not, sometimes it's just really good to take a moment like David did and so many others in this book, hence the book, um, that to actually write the Word of God, to write your prayers, to actually take the time to really pour out. You see, prayer has to begin with reflection, as I've said, but then vulnerability is what creates in us a prayer life, an actual commitment to actually keep going. You see, prayer is not a destination. And when you pray, prayers that are answered are not a reward for you getting it right. It is not about saying the right prayers at the right time. It is about your intimacy with Jesus. It's about your time with him. It's about your realness with him. You see, God's promises are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So when we pray, we can pull on those promises knowing that he is real, that he is close by, that he is near us. You know, right in the beginning, in Genesis 1, 
Starting in 26, we see this intimacy created with God, where God pulls out at this beautiful creation called man and woman. And not only does he create them, but he speaks these words over them. And one of the most intimate moments in the Bible, I believe, it says, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish and over the seas and over the bird and over the heavens and over the livestock. You can feel an excitement in God here. He's speaking about his creation. He's speaking about you and I. Here is what I've given you, he's saying. He's showing himself to the people that he had created. And in verse 28, he said, And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and have dominion over the fish and over the seas and over the birds and over the heavens and over every little thing. We spend so much time trying to seek God's will or trying to work out what God wants. I'm telling you, more often than what, not, God just wants to have an intimate relationship with you. He just wants to speak his word into your life. He wants to speak the promises of God over every person part of your life, over your children, over your health, over your workplace. God wants intimacy with you and I. And I'm telling you, I, I love this thought that when he spoke creation, his one and only purpose, not one and only, his purpose for you and I was to commune and be with us, to be with us. And if I was going to reset anything in my life, even today, even after all the revelations of prayer and all the moments that I've prayed, and, you know, it would be prayer. Because if I can start there, everything flows from that place. God spoke, and therefore, we have the honour of speaking to him, of communing with him. You know, there's an element of vulnerability, I think, that we must address if we're going to grow in this area. Vulnerability must include, and the Bible teaches this, an element of humility. And humility is not me saying, I'm terrible, or I'm not great, or I'm doing terribly, I'm failing, not putting ourselves down. Humility, the Bible tells us in Psalm 25, is actually the understanding of who we are in Christ. And I believe that many times our prayer life is affected and kind of stunted because we don't understand our place in Christ. We might not pray because we feel like we're failing at being a Christian, right? We might not pray because we haven't got it all together. We might not pray because we feel like we're not worthy of his voice in our lives. And so the understanding in humility that God wants to commune with every single one of us, no matter where we are on that journey, whether you have come into church the, the very first time today and you've never heard that God wants a relationship with you, or whether you've been in church for a hundred years and you kind of have it all sorted and you've heard this message before, God actually is saying that we need to know who we are in Christ so that we can come to him 
with a posture that says, I'm, it's all about you. That I couldn't do this unless I understood who Christ has called me to be. And I truly believe, Psalm 25 says, He leads the humble in what is right. And he teaches the humble his ways. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenants and his testimony. Humility is not thinking about yourself. It is thinking about Christ. It is putting him first. It is understanding that we're to follow his example. That was always to commune with the Father that was always to take time apart, separate, to speak to his father. And I love that about Jesus. You see, as we reflect, as we become vulnerable, it creates intimacy. And that intimacy is built on humility. We see here David in Psalm 32, coming back to God. His bones are tired, he's weary, he's worn out. And in Psalm 32, 5, he describes what it's like when he fell at the feet of Jesus, when he came to the feet of God and he fell again on his face. He says, finally, finally, love that moment, finally, I confessed my sins to you. I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I stopped trying to have it all together. I stopped trying to be perfect. I stopped trying to live in this place of disconnection, I stopped trying to hide my guilt and I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. I know that's simple because we know this, but for a second, you forgave me. I'm so grateful he forgives us. All my guilt is gone. And from my hiding place in verse 7, You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. I will guide you along the best pathway of your life. I will advise and watch over you. And I'd love to call the team back up now as we bring to a close. And I want to share with you just a little story. You see, my my oldest boy that you saw up there has been quite ill throughout his life. And he's had asthma and anaphylaxis and many, many hospital trips and many, um, many frightening moments for us. And this kid is such an introvert. He's a creative, he's, oh gosh, he's a solid kid, but geez, woo! Anyway, we're okay, we're parenting him. But um, a year ago, so he spent his, most of his life in and out of hospital. And he um, got prayed for when he was about 10 years old, he's 15 now by uh, visiting ministry and um, they prayed for him and things did turn around quite quite dramatically in his asthma that was probably one of the bigger problems at the time he was a brittle asthmatic and so that kind of stopped that but his anaphylaxis was something the doctors had spoken over his life many many foods he could not go near to the point that if you know I had coffee or whatnot and kissed him that's why I drink black coffee uh (laughs) with dairy he would swell up and things like that and we discovered that early on so Zaya has lived with this thing for a long long time and we've lived with it we used to get ready to church one of us would hold him because his eczema 
was part of the whole deal and he would scratch himself to bleeding as a baby if we didn't just sit and hold him. So Nick would get ready and kind of like try and get his preach sorted and I'd be holding the baby and then I'd get ready. So we had run this race. It's been full on. And I had come to a point a couple of years ago where, to be completely honest, I'd stopped praying for healing. Still prayed for my kid, but stopped praying for healing. And I don't think I was angry. It just kind of happened. It's just been so long. And we'd see nothing change. Doctors had said, nah, nothing's going to change. My immunologist had said to us at our last uh, visit, usually a six monthly, she said, don't come back for a few years. We'll see you later. And I was like, oh, we're actually good mates because we're, yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. Because um, we've been in so much because all three of them need her. But so Isaiah was sitting in that meeting and he, he kind of comes out from about that 10-year-old mark, he had been saying, Mum, I truly believe I'm going to be healed. And over five years, we'd talked about that, we'd prayed about that. And this one day, I found myself in our shed, which we turned into a gym. And I was, we'd had an appointment coming up. It was the first one in a couple of years. And I was so devastated. I didn't want to go because I knew what they would say. It's getting worse because every appointment just seems to get worse. And so I'm on my knees before God. And I'm saying, God, I don't want to go. And my, my little boy, who's not so little, walks in and he says, Mum, I really think God's told me. And this is not like him. He's not, a, not like that. I really feel like God's told me I'm going to get healed and I need to get a blood test because they don't do blood tests or skin tests because they're too reactive. And I went, honey, you don't need a blood test. The doctor doesn't. No, I need a blood test to show them I'm getting better. And I'm like, okay, all right. So we're in this shed. And all right, buddy, let's pray. And in my head, I'm like, no, no. He he goes off. I come back in the morning and I just fall to my knees and I cry because I know it's going to be bad. A couple of hours, we're going to hear hopeless once again. I walk in. We do the blood test. A few days later, I get this phone call. And at that point in time, I was just because we're kind of mate-like. She's like, hey, Mel, how you doing? And good and I'm driving to school and she said you better pull over if you're driving I went oh boy has it got that bad right and this kid like my oh my boy anyway and she said Melissa I I don't understand this I can't explain this it doesn't make sense he's 14 I think he was at that 14 it shouldn't change your immune system's kind of fully developed 10 to 12 8 to 12 ish It shouldn't change. And his has been going up all these levels. And she said, I don't know what's happening, but the levels have turned around. And I began to cry. And she's like, I'm crying too. I'm like, oh, that's lovely. And in that moment, it made me reflect. And I realised that the day before, What had happened was my son had taken on his own story and his own posture before God. Because as we become intimate before God, as we're vulnerable before Him, our posture changes. And He came into my prayer place and we knelt together and we had prayed. And that posture of vulnerability, that humility that says, Christ, we can't do it without you, was in Him so much deeper and so much more healthier than I was at that point in time. You see, the Bible talks over 
and over again about us taking time out to change our posture before God. Sometimes I worry that we kind of put prayer in the, I'll pray when I drive the kids to school or wash the dishes, and that's so important, bucket. But there are times when God calls us to great intercessory kind of prayer, a prayer that has a posture where we kneel before God. I say to my church, when did kneeling go out? When did we stop being vulnerable before God? When did kneeling kind of become this thing, you know, prayer is on the run most of the time, right? And that's okay. It's okay. That's a journey, right? But there are times in our lives, just like with Isaiah and me in this dirty old shed that smells, we sat on our knees, we changed our posture. And my boy encouraged me in that place. You know, in the Bible, over and over again, there is people who kneel. You see, James tells us that Elijah was one of the great prayers of the Bible. You know, he literally went up to Mount Camel, Carmel, sorry, Carmel, Camel, Cam, maybe it's Camel, Carmel, and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. When did that kind of gritty, grunty kind of prayer go out? Abraham fell on his face before God. Peter knelt before Jesus. Mary threw herself at the feet of Jesus. Jesus himself knelt in the garden before God to pray. Our posture matters when we pray. Our posture must be one of vulnerability and openness. And if I could encourage you today, church, just one thing, as you reflect and take a moment to go, where am I on this journey? Perhaps God is calling you to find a space, to find your posture, before God. You see, in a second, we're going to worship. And I would encourage you to perhaps take that moment of reflection. Is there a place that you need to create where you can pray? Is there a posture? Have you been guarded and kind of hiding your sin from God, hiding yourself, your pain, your anger, your you're upset from God. Is there a time that you can just go, you know what? God, I'm giving it all to you. As much as church is a safe place, He is the safest place. He is the place that we can fall on our face. Say, God, I don't understand. You know, I told my boy that he was getting better in our lounge room, which is adjoining to the, to the um, shed and I watched as my 15 year old or 14 year old then man child <laughs> he's I don't cry but I do have this air oh gosh my man child his tears welled up he went mum what <laughs> I said babe you're getting better the immunologist said that by the time he's 25 he'll be able to eat a lot of his foods. And as I said that to him, I saw this hope come alive in him. And we went into the shed 
prayed again, him weeping. Kids don't, 15-year-olds don't do that, right? It was a, and I was like, God. <laughs> when you're vulnerable, when you take time to reflect, to decide to grow, God does the most amazing things. Father, we come to you vulnerability. Father, even now, as we go into worship just one more time, I thank you that you're with us. Would you speak to our hearts? I pray for those that are facing challenges that are probably far greater than ours and that fear and intimidation and busyness and chaos to try to take us away from you. Lord, we make a decision here this morning to keep doing the journey of prayer, to kneel before you, to change our posture, to be as you were on our faces before God. I thank you, Father, for this amazing church. Bless them, Father God. You know, as you keep your eyes closed, I just want to ask, if you want to make a commitment, if you want to say, I'm actually changing my posture today, I think it's really important to kind of do something in this, right? To make a change. If you feel quite moved, I can see there are tears and it's so good. I love God doing His thing. Maybe you're facing a challenge and this just speaks a bit of hope into your life. I, oh, I so pray for that. But if you want to make a little, yep, moment, a I'm going to change moment, I'm going to grow moment in my prayer life, I want you to do a super brave thing with every eye closed. Just catch my eye and give me a little wave all over this place. That's awesome, guys. Yeah. Keep them up, I want to pray for you. Beautiful. Father God, I pray for these beautiful people making this decision, for the braveness of putting up their hand. I thank you, you meet them right there, right there. I see them kneeling in their homes. I see them walking their paddocks. I see them walking their streets. I see you meeting them where they are for humility, for vulnerability. I thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name. You know, if you're here, keep your eyes closed just for one more second. I don't know everybody, and I know every week there are people that come into our churches that are experiencing church maybe for the first time. And just like these guys who made that decision, it's so important that we take a moment to reflect and make a decision ourselves. If you've come into church today, maybe you've been invited by someone, maybe you haven't come for a long time and you've come back, and today you're sitting kind of going, wow, this place feels good. It's like you can have a relationship with God. It's amazing, you actually can. God is not a big guy in the sky 
ready to whack you with a stick or kind of awkwardly kind of putting things in your life. He's actually a God that wants to commune with you, to to have a relationship with you. And right now, I'm not going to bring you out the front or anything like that. But just so I know who you are, so we can do this journey together, I can introduce you to some of the pastors. I would love to pray with you if you want to make that decision. It is the most amazing decision you will ever make to give your heart and your life over to Jesus. It's the beginning of a journey. It's not the destination. It's the beginning. It's one little step that says, yes, I am saying yes to Jesus. I am saying yes to a relationship with God. I'm coming back to a relationship with God. If that's you here today, could I ask you to do a really brave thing and catch my eye? Maybe it's just look at me Uh, front and center, maybe it's a little wave right from the front to the back. If you're here, maybe you haven't been to church for a long time, or maybe there's things that have separated you from God that you're like, it's not just a bad day, but I have made a determined effort to not serve God. And you're back in church today. You don't know how you found yourself here, but you're here. And you want to make that one step that says yes to Jesus. Can you just catch my eye fast as you can? right across this place. I just want to leave it open for a minute. And all the Christians are praying. Catch my eye and say, yeah, that's me. Maybe just a little wave. So I know for sure. Thank you, Father God. I thank you, Father, that this is a church that loves you. This is a church that wants to grow. I thank you, Father, for the honour it has been. And Father, I pray right now that as we go into our week, we go filled with the power of God in Jesus' name. Amen.